so great to be back with you. I bring greetings from Vintuk. We had such a great time in Vintuk. There are now four churches in Namibia, four Every Nation churches. Isn't that great? So there are three in Vintuk itself and one in Okahanya, which you don't know where Okahanya is, but it's a, it's a town in Namibia. And yeah, the churches are just growing and thriving, and God is doing such great things. I had this one test me, it was so great. A girl there had been struggling with food allergies. I asked her what she was allergic to, and she said, what am I not allergic to? And basically, she battled with everything she ate. And she was quite a thin person, so I could believe her. You know, it, it was clear that you know, not a lot of food was making it into that body. And so I prayed for her, and God did such a great thing. She came to me. Uh, the Sunday I was there and she said, since then she has been eating everything. And she had no problem. She's completely healed. She said before she couldn't even take allergy medicine because she was allergic to the medicine. And now she was just eating everything. So I was, I was so delighted. I felt like taking her out for ice cream. I just didn't have enough time. But yeah, I just was a lovely, lovely experience. So we are carrying on with our sermon series called Within Reach. God is doing such great things. What's, what's within your reach? What does God have for you? What, are your, what are, is in your sphere of influence? For God is certainly doing something great in your life. If, that's, if you wonder what I'm doing right now, I'm prophesying to your soul. I'm telling you that God has something within your reach that it will blow your mind. That he didn't cause you to be born for a small task. He caused you to be born for a big task. There is something significant. Your life matters. You were born with a purpose. Within your reach, there is something that God has called you to. As you follow him, it will turn into something magnificent. Trust him. It's coming. Amen. I want to remind you of some things Pastor Roger shared last week. He talked about things to consider in every everyday going. In other words, he was saying as you reaching out to people around you, as you going and living your life and just being the person you are, that there are everyday things you can to do to reach out to the people around you. You can pray and ask God for opportunities. You can start conversations with people. You can let people around you know you are a Christian. You can ask friends about their faith or view of life and just listen. It's a big, it's a big thing for us, you know, to just listen. And then we can listen to your friends' problems and offer to pray for them. You can share your problems with others and testify to, as to how God has helped you. You can help people in their place of need. You can share your story of God transforming your life. You can give them a Christian book to read. You can answer their questions with gentleness. You can invite them to connect or to church. And you can offer to read the Bible with them or do the one-to-one -one with them. God is so good. There are so many opportunities. Daily, God is opening doors for you to impact the lives of the people around you. Like I said, your life is significant. You matter. You are here for a reason. Amen. Lord, I just pray for every person here. Lord, as we open up the word, I ask that you would open up our hearts, Lord God. Set us free to know you, Lord God. Help us to grow in our knowledge of you. Help us to grow in our expression of you, Lord God. Help us to to discover more of your love for us and more of your love for others, Lord God. Father God, we ask also that every part of the kingdom that you died to bring us, Lord God, would be a part of our lives, that nothing would be left out. 
And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. So we are going to spend our time in this scripture, Romans 1 verse 16. This was the first scripture I ever memorized. When I was a university student and I had given my life to the Lord, I had this lime green beetle that did more bouncing as it went along the road than it actually did driving, but it got me to university and it got a lot of people to church. We packed that thing with people. Let me tell you, we had we had students crawling out from under the seats in that little doggy box. I mean, we packed students in there. We got them in. And I had decided in my heart, I wanted to be a bold Christian. I wasn't a particularly bold person, really. I was, I was, I, w- I feel like I was just a normal shy person. You know how we all feel shy and, you know, it's hard to speak to people and, you know, you, do, you know, it's hard sometimes to tell people about your faith and, I was just, I was one of those normal everyday people. And I said to myself, when I read the Bible, they don't look, they don't look shy. They don't look timid. They don't look ashamed of their faith. And I said, I want to be one of those people. And if God can turn Peter, who seemed to be so impetuous, and, you know, Thomas, who doubted everything, if he can turn those people into world changers, why not me? Why not you? And so I took the scripture, Romans 1 verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, wrote it out on a little piece of card and stuck it on the front of my dashboard. And everywhere I went, anyone who got in that car, they heard it, they saw it, and I told them. You know, that that verse became my my mantra, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because this is the truth. The gospel is the answer to everything. The gospel is the answer to everything. Jesus. So, so let me back up a little bit. I think very often when we hear the word gospel, pictures come to our mind. And some of those pictures are about people standing on the street corners, you know, with those sandwich boards, turn or burn. Have you ever seen those? You haven't been to Durban enough. You know, and they just, uh, they they have a, 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 well, I don't want to say anything negative because I was going to say they have a little, sometimes they have a crazy gleam in their eye, but I want to say well done to them for being so bold. But, but, but you know, we have the idea that it's like this extreme, um, slightly off-the-wall kind of declaration of repent or you're going to die. And yet that's not what the Bible talks about the gospel. The gospel is good news good news. I want you to think for one moment. I want you to think for one moment about all the plans you've had to make yourself better. You've had a few. Remember those diets you've tried? When I was at school, I had this crazy diet that all you did was eat four apples and four little tubs of yogurt. I did it. I did it for a while. I was very skinny, but I was very sick of apples. You know, we all, you know, you remember back and remember, remember how when you're on that diet, suddenly those things that you can't eat become the most important things in your life. 
You know, that steak that you're missing out is just the best thing. That, that triple chocolate cake, I mean, it's just, you didn't even really like chocolate cake before, and, but now you're on the diet. All you want to do is eat chocolate cake. You remember the, all, the, all these things that are there to kind of to improve yourself. Remember all the New Year's resolutions you've made. I know you've made a few. I know you remember all those gym memberships you paid for. Remember. Remember, and then you, the, you lost it during the year because you didn't go enough, and then you repaid it the next year on the New Year's resolution. You remember those? You know, they're coming to you. Remember how you promised you would be nice to that person at work, and then the first thing that happened was when you walked in, they were sitting in your chair, and you snapped at them. You remember all these self-improvement things, the books we've read, improvements we've tried to make you went out to get a new wardrobe you thought that would be the thing but the truth is none of them have really made a significant difference if you think about it because there's really only one thing that changes the world and changes you and believe it or not that's the gospel of Jesus Christ it's the truth of who he is it's what he did and what he gave us through what he did so if we have to look, what is the gospel? Jesus, when he was on earth, he was at a particular synagogue and they gave him the scroll to read and he took out the scroll and he read this particular scripture. He quoted from Isaiah 61. He read this. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He closed the scroll and he looked them all in the eye and he said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, it's me. And I want to propose to you that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the proclamation that is on our hearts that Jesus really did everything necessary for you to become the person you meant to be. That the good news is that he really did everything necessary to transform the world. That he really, really did everything to make a difference for war, poverty, destruction, death, hatred. He really did. He starts off and he says this, the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Let me ask you this question. What's good news to the poor? Honestly, it's not a trick question. It's not a, if you were poor, what would be good news? You don't have to be poor anymore. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like simple stuff. How much of our gospel is good news to the poor? Jesus really meant his death and resurrection to set people free from poverty. God hates poverty. It's not part of his plan. It's not part of his kingdom. The gospel means that any person that comes to Jesus can step out of poverty. That means that they can step out the mindsets, the spirit, the hold, the trap, of poverty. It means that they don't have to live under the burden of lack. Here's the bottom line, is that God is a God of abundance. There is never lack. 
And the thing that every poor person needs to know is that you don't have to be poor anymore. The gospel made a way for you to have access to the kingdom so that your heart can be changed, so that you can look at your resources differently, so you can look at yourself differently. You can, you can have faith for new things. You can stand up and be counted. You can move forward. You can move out of your place of poverty, and you can find the prosperity of Jesus Christ, of the kingdom. I mean, this is the kingdom where if there's no food, God just takes the bread of that little boy and he makes it enough. This is the kingdom where you don't have money for your tax. You go fishing and there's money in the fish's mouth. Because I want to propose this to you. Poverty is not a lack of finances. Poverty is a lack of understanding of the kingdom. Poverty is a lack of knowing who God is. Poverty is a lack of knowing who you are. And meeting Jesus changes all of that. I was hearing a testimony of someone recently. It just blew my mind. There was someone somewhere in another country in Africa. I think it was Kenya, but if it was somewhere else, my apologies. The story still stands wherever it is. And he, he felt like God tell him to go and do some great things. And he said, but God, I don't have any money. And God said, I'm the God of abundance. And he thought to himself, you know what? If there was oil on my land, I would have enough to do all of this. So he went and stood on his little piece of land, which I don't know how big it was, but he stood it and he said, oil, be in this land because I need you to do what God told me to do. Guess what? He brought in a surveyor and guess what they found on his land? There was no oil anywhere else but on his land. Liberia, he was in Liberia. And now he's building churches, holding revivals, Doing what God, I mean, that's what the only thing that God could have called him to be. I mean, he could have been a businessman, a statesman. All of this are valid things. But, but nonetheless, he saw the dream of God and he said, I will not live in poverty because Jesus Christ made a way for me to have enough to do what God has called me to do. This is good news to the poor. No one has to be poor anymore. What else did Jesus say? He said, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Now, I've read the New Testament from the start to the finish a number of times. As I've read it, I've never seen one time that Jesus actually went to a prison and set someone free from the prison. Look, they, were, they, they worshipped God in prison and those bars flew open. You know, thing, things happened in prisons. But, but Jesus never like physically went and said, okay, I'm setting you free from prison. In fact, I'll take it one step further, is that he had a really good friend, John the Baptist, and John the Baptist went to prison, and John the Baptist's baptism, baptism, Baptist, while in prison, sent a letter to Jesus or a message to Jesus and said, you know, are you the one or not? Because by the way, I'm in prison, and I was declaring and making a way for you, and just by the way, I'm in prison. He didn't say all that. He just said, are you the one or not? But I'm, I'm sure that's what he meant. That was the unspoken message that came. And Jesus didn't go, oh my word, John's in prison. Let's get there quickly. Here, take this cake with this file into him. Get him out, whatever, break him out. 
Jesus didn't do that. He just unfazedly said, go tell John <laughs> that the blind see, the deaf hear. And the good news is preach the poor. In other words, you did your job. Good job. <laughs> good job. <laughs> and I want to tell you this. In my thinking, it's this. It's you know, Jesus really understood this. That prison is not being behind bars. Prison is being caught in fear. Trapped in anger. Bound by sin. Kept captive by addictions. Those are the real prisons. Because we saw in the, see in the rest of the New Testament, they made short work of those prisons, you know. They burst out of them and left, right, and center. That's not the issue. Jesus came to set us free from the prisons of our own making that we have climbed into. It goes on, and it says, that he would proclaim recovery of sight for the blind. I've got something in my eye and I feel like I'm going blind, but I'm not really, so give me a moment here. <laughs> but now wh when he was talking about good news to the poor and freedom for the prisoners, you know, so in some ways he was talking about an internal change in people. It's like that liberty doesn't come by changing your external circumstances. Liberty comes by changing who you are, realizing who God made you to be. Change comes by receiving his power inside of you and allowing who you are to rise up in that circumstance and change the circumstance. I love the story of Joseph. Do you remember that story of Joseph in the Old Testament? You can go and read it in the book of Genesis, but it's, it's marvelous. God gives him a dream about how he's going to be the ruler of everyone. And then like the, the very overconfident teenager that he was, he went and told everyone, I'm going to rule all of you, over all of you. And like the very normal human beings, they didn't take lightly to that. And so his brothers sold him, captured him and sold him as a slave. From that moment on till the day Joseph died, died he was a slave. He was never liberated. He remained a slave. As a slave, he rose to be the head of one of the most powerful men, head of the household of one of the most powerful men in Egypt. As a slave, he was thrown into prison, and then he was, became the head of the prison. As a slave, he was brought before Pharaoh, and he gave Pharaoh advice in such a way that the whole of Egypt was saved, and he became the governor of of Egypt. What I love about his story is that Joseph believed what God said about him. And then man threw every possible restriction at him. And every time he said, put me in prison, make me a slave, defame my name, 
I know who I am and I will be that. And in that situation, his internal reality molded his circumstances and he became the head slave, the head of the prison, the head of the nation. Because this is the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to bring us, that we are not slaves, but we are sons and daughters of the Most High God and we carry a kingdom that cannot be stopped. So when he's talking about good news to the poor and freedom for the prisoners, he's talking about this reality. That there is a kingdom inside of you that I have come to bring. I have come to make a way that you can access it, that you can have it. And then he says, and recovery of sight to the blind. And he meant two things by that because later in his teachings, we hear him using that two ways. First of all, that he would remove ignorance from people. You know, the wild thing is that we don't even know where we're blind. <laughs> That's the wild thing. <laughs> and Jesus, have, have you ever suddenly realized your own faults? Have you ever suddenly, you know, you, you thought you were doing fine and suddenly your ignorance was removed? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. yeah, I know some of you are saying never because you know you are. Well, well, there's something coming. There's something coming. <laughs> Sorry. But in a hypothetical family once, that won't be named, there was a, there was a son in this hypothetical family who once was complaining to his mom. And this hypothetical mom was getting a little bit irritated. And so you know what she did? She complained right back at her son. She complained about his complaining. And because she was older, she could do it better. She had more practice. And right in the middle of her complaining rant, the Spirit of God came to her and said, <coughs> Where do you think your son learned to complain? No, yeah, no, that's, that was that hypothetical wife's answer was from her dad. That was, the, that was her answer. But the spirit of the living God wouldn't let her stay there and hinted to her maybe that it was her problem, not her son's problem. And the obvious solution is to say, I carry a gospel of good news and that the gospel is the answer to everything. And therefore, instead of complaining, I'm going to look that great son in the eye and I'm going to say, don't be afraid, son. There is a future for you that is so unbelievable and nothing can stop it. If you choose to believe, you will walk in it. You will change the world. You will make a difference because there's a power and a glory in you that is beyond anything you've imagined. See who you are. See who you are. See who you are. So God removes ignorance. He lets us see things differently. But then there's this glorious truth that he actually changes your body too. 
Because you know what? When Jesus walked through on this earth, how many blind people were left blind after they left Jesus? My husband's saying not many. I'm going to say, you didn't read the Bible. The answer is none. The answer is none. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's seeing the light, as Gudrun is saying in the front here. I've got very funny people in the front. They keep me amused. So I hope you're as happy at the back as I am at the front. You know, the good news that Jesus came to bring is that there is a, the kingdom of God is near, that that the fullness of what I meant this world to be is here and it's coming through me. I am going to go to the cross and I'm going to make a way for what I carry to be in you too. So that what I begin today, you will carry on into eternity. What that means is that I am bringing a kingdom in which nothing that is outside God's will may stand. That when Jesus walks into a room and touches a blind person, the blindness must go. When Jesus walks into your life and touches it, the destruction, the devastation, the poverty, the lifelessness must go. This is the good news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came to set the world right. That he came to set the world right, and he is starting with you. What happens when you work, walk into work tomorrow or you walk into your lecture tomorrow and you're sitting hearing about engineering from that lecturer from hell you know that one that one who will never grade you more than 35 percent no matter what you do and when you walk in there there's got to be something pounding in your chest that says this gospel is enough. This gospel is enough to change even this. This gospel is enough even for that lecturer to get saved. That gospel is enough even for me to pass. That gospel is enough for access for me to the wisdom of God to change things. To change things. This is the good news. This is the good news. And the last he talks about is a release for the oppressed and the year of the Lord's favor. You know, something about the New Testament that just irritates me sometimes, blows me away, leaves me confounded, is the fact that the New Testament writers, when they were talking about slavery, they didn't say, throw off the yoke of your masters, run away from your slavery, and just revolt. The Bible tells them to serve their master with gladness. I don't even know what to make of that. I do see throughout history how wherever Christianity went, it has liberated slaves. It has destroyed slavery. So I know I know without a shadow of a doubt that God's will is never for slavery. He hates it. It's not part of his plan. It's not, not part of his kingdom. And yet when Jesus or, or when Jesus' apostles spoke to these men and women who were in slavery, they didn't say, 
get out of there. They said, serve your master with gladness. Why? Because they understand that true slavery is a slavery of the heart and no restrictions on the outside can change what's on the inside. And if you are free on the inside, you are free on the outside. And I want to propose to you that, that God had a bigger plan than to just set those slaves free. He had a plan to set the slave masters free too. And in everything, he was using the glory of his presence in his people to change things. The year of the Lord's favor. You have a favor you don't deserve. You have blessing that is more than you can ever count. People who are not supposed to like you have no choice but to make a way for you. Because this is the good news, that God is with you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Also because all creation is redeemable. Romans 8 verse 19 says that the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Another translation says that all of creation is groaning. And when I drove here this morning past an empty land, piece of land and was covered in litter, I could hear creation groaning. And I want to propose to you that God wants you to be saved and your neighbor and the neighbor after that and the one on the other side of that and the other one and just keeps going, that he, that he has a plan for you as an individual and every individual on earth. But I want to propose to you that it's more than that, that God has a plan for the world. He has a plan for your family. He has a plan for Johannesburg. He has a plan for South Africa. He has a plan for the world that, that more than, well, in addition to wanting every person serving him, everyone in the joy of his presence, united to him, living the life that they were designed for, he also wants all of the structures of humanity working. He wants life and blessing. He wants scientists to hear the wisdom of God and create medicine that destroys malaria. He wants businessmen who walk into boardrooms with plans that are designed in heaven to ship truth and reconciliation throughout the earth. He, he wants people to touch this world and that all of creation is meant to come under the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. All of it, your workplace, your family, your marriage, your children, all of it is meant to function in the love, peace, and life of the gospel. Because the gospel is the answer to everything. And every part of creation is redeemable. That same scripture written in the message version, version, Romans 8, 19 and following, says it like this, and I, I just love the author's po poeticness. What is that word? Poetry, poeticness. But anyway, it's very beautiful. It says this, the created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, 
around us. It's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren, barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. In other words, there's something so great on the way. Did I read the normal one before I read the message ones? <laughs> Great. All of creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. In other words, all those trapped in poverty, all those mired in authoritarian regimes, all those stuck in broken marriages, all the heartache, trouble, torment of the world is crying out to God in you, saying, stand up, rise up, be counted, show me who you are. Stand up and declare to the world that I am a son or daughter of the Most High God. I carry a kingdom with me that cannot be stopped. When I walk into the room, Jesus walks in with me. When I walk into your life, I come with a message and an answer that will set you free. When I interact with you, when I hold your hand, when I listen to your stories, when I love you, when I buy you that meal, when I look after you, when I babysit your children, when I talk to you about my issues and how God set me free, there is a kingdom moving that cannot be stopped. There is a revelation and a truth that is invading the people's lives around us that cannot be stopped. All of creation is groaning and saying, where are the sons of God? Rise up, be counted, show who you are, stand up in the identity you are, and be the messengers of my kingdom. There is a kingdom that cannot be stopped, and it is living in you. This is the good news, that no one throughout the world ever has to be a victim of their circumstances, ever, ever, ever again. They can be set free from themselves. They can be set free from the bondage that is around them. They can be set free from the systematic oppression that is around them, and they can be like you son and daughter of the Most High God, filled with the power and presence of a living God, with a message that cannot be stopped, with a message that cannot be stopped. I know what you're saying. Well, I don't know what you're saying, but perhaps you are saying this, but you don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through. My answer is, no, I don't. But I do know the one who hung on a cross and took what you're going through and what your neighbor is going through and what that other person is going through and what entire nations are going through. And he hung there until every part of that was 
paid for. And he said, I will stay here until I have paid the price so that every living person can live in a new reality and does no longer have to be a victim of the powers around them, the circumstances around them, but can indeed have access to the kingdom and live the fullness of what they're meant to do and be a liberator of all of creation around them. I will hang here until it's done. I will hang here until it's done. And so, no, I don't know all that you're going through, but I I understand that people are going through a lot of tough stuff. A lot of tough stuff. But either this Bible is true or it's not. There's no half measure, measure. And the promises it gives are so broad, are so enormous, are so incredible. What if they were really true? What if they were really true? What if you really carried a kingdom inside of you that could not be stopped? What if you really carried the power of the living God inside of you in which no sickness could live? What if you were really carrying a savior who has the answer for every situation? What if? What if? What if? Can we dare to believe? And you know, so many of us think so little of who we are. And you know, without Jesus, I want to say to you, you carry the image of God, but you are pretty little. But here's the beauty of the gospel. You never have to be without Jesus again. Ever. 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 And in him, you are a majestic proclaimer of the truth. You are a powerful carrier of answers. You are a demonstration of an unstoppable kingdom. You are the image bearer of the Most High God. You have come to proclaim to the oppressed, the lonely, the broken, that they never have to live like that again. And lastly, the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. There is a place for everyone. There is a place for everyone. Even for that boss from hell. I don't know, do you all have one? That aunt, that crazy aunt, even for her, even for her. There is a place for everyone. The Bible talks about in Revelation 7, 9 to 10, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In other words, every kind of person, every kind of person, the big, the small, the tall, the dark, the light, the, the large, the pleasant, the unpleasant, the in charge, the not in charge. There's a place for everyone. So I want to pray 
for everyone here. Can we bow our heads? How many of you want want to be a kingdom carrier, a kingdom bringer? How many of you want to change the world around you? How many of you want to influence the people in your life? How many of you want to see a change in your environment? How many of you want to believe the Bible as it is and say, God, what I see there, I want in your life? Just raise your hands if that's you, if you want that. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, Lord God, for the hunger in this place. I thank you that they are a church because they already wanted this before they even came, Lord God. And this is just a confirmation to them of what's been burning on their heart. That They really, really believe, Lord God, that they can make a difference. And Lord, I want to pray right now for a deposit of your presence. Holy Spirit, would you come? Father God, I pray that every bit of timidity would be silenced, Lord God. Every bit of it's not for me would go, Lord God. And in their hearts, they would receive the spirit of love, the spirit of boldness, the wisdom and the might, knowledge, understanding, fear of the Lord to stand up and do what you've called them to do, Lord. Holy One, I'm asking for more of your presence, more of your power, more of your blessing, more of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? In conclusion, you know, if if this kingdom's really true, then there's got to be power that follows it. And so I, I feel specifically that there are some people here that you are battling with migraines, headaches, something. I want to pray for you because I feel like God wants to set you free. I also believe that there's someone here that you... You've been struggling to fall pregnant and God wants to set you free. God wants to heal you. Um, I also feel that there, there's someone here that you have a very difficult relationship at work and God, is, God, wants to, God wants to change that. And He wants to give you a supernatural favor that doesn't come from you, your wisdom. It comes from His presence on you. So any of those people, I would love to pray for you personally. Please come and find me after the service. Otherwise, have a really, really great week. God is with you.